Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I am Evangelist Janice Nelson, and I want to welcome you to season two of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole, a weekly women's Bible study podcast. Today is Sabbath Sunday, October the 3rd, the year of our Lord, 2021. In this Bible study podcast, we address various issues that break the spirit of women and then seek to promote women's spiritual wholeness and well-being with lessons learned from the Word of God. Ladies, do you doubt whether or not you will enter into heaven because you have neither clean hands nor a pure heart? If you do, you should look to Jesus who has already climbed the holy hill of Israel and entered Jerusalem as the forerunner of every believer. Follow in his footsteps and rest on his merit. Jesus entered heaven triumphantly, and if we trust him, we can as well, because the Spirit of God will give us the right character. He will create in us a new heart and a right spirit found in faith and Jesus Christ. When we come back, we're going to examine Psalms 24, the first Psalm of God. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. Today, we are looking at Psalm 24, the first psalm of God. Our scripture reading is taken from Psalm 24, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 10 from the King James Version of the Bible, if you want to follow along with the scripture reading. Now, reading from the book of Psalm chapter 24, beginning at verse 1, the psalmist writes, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he had founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Selah. Look upon your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of his word. Amen.
Ladies, Psalm 24 was written to honor the entrance of the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, according to 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 8, which says, Then David and all Israel played music before God with all their might, with singing, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on cymbals, and with trumpets. The entrance of the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem was a celebratory event for the Israelites because since it had been built soon after the Exodus, the Ark had been in temporary quarters. But the psalmist, who is King David, looked beyond the pageantry of this event to the ascension of the King of Glory. As the ark approached Jerusalem, the gates were commanded to open. The ark came in and King David came in, but the king of glory was still to come. A thousand years later, the king of glory, Jesus Christ, came into this world as a baby in Bethlehem, the same city where David was born. And baby Jesus grew up and entered the ancient Greek gates of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. A week later, Jesus was crucified and buried. He arose on the third day and ascended to heaven that he might fill all things. David called for the ancient gates to open and let the king of glory enter. Now Jesus the King of Glory is knocking on the door of our heart, the center of our understanding and to the center of our life and wants us to open the doors and let him enter. So let's unpack Psalms 24. Verses one and two are statements that the earth and all that is in it belongs to God. Verses 3 through 6 describe two entries into Jerusalem. The first describes God's people coming into Jerusalem, and it asks the question, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? In other words, who is able to come? This sounds a lot like what we previously studied in Psalms 15, which asks, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? The second description of entry is in verses 7 through 10, and it describes the coming of God's people. In Psalms 24, verse 1, David makes a strong declaration concerning our great and mighty God. He says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. In other words, the entire world and everything and everyone who dwells in it belongs to the Lord, to Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel. David was king over Israel, but he knew that the Lord was king of the universe. And not only did the earth belong to the Lord, but David also said in verse 1, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. The fullness of the Lord means 
its harvest, wealth, life, and worship, etc. This verse makes it clear that the Lord is possessor of all. And we know from the creation story found in Genesis chapter 1, that God created the heavens and the earth and everything and everyone in it. The Lord of heaven and earth is the sustainer of the universe. And though through the rights of creation and continuing provision, he has a claim on every person who ever lived. Much of Psalms 24 is concerned with God and the people of God coming to Jerusalem. This might lead some to conclude that God is a Jewish God and exclusively for the Jews or that God loves the Jews more than everyone else. Even the disciples seemed unable to see a worldwide kingdom of Jesus Christ because after the resurrection of Jesus, the disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 6 asked, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to, to Israel? The disciples' understanding of the kingdom was restricted ethically to Israel politically as a restoration of the earlier kingdom of David and geographically centered in Jerusalem. However, Jesus soon taught them that his kingdom was to be a spiritual kingdom extended throughout the world. In Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus said to his disciples, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Verse 1 tells us that God tied his earthly presence to Jerusalem, but nevertheless is God of all the earth. It says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. This means that because you and I are part of this world, we owe God allegiance as our true and rightful king. And from this responsibility comes great blessing. Verse 3 says, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? Verses 4 through 6 answers this question. So let's begin with verse 4, which says, he that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. This verse is concerned with the worshiper's inner character, outward actions, and relationship to God and other people. Clean hands appoint one who is holy in deeds or outward and inward actions. This type of person would be the exact opposite of Pilate, who washed his hands publicly and claimed to be innocent of the blood of Jesus, which was nevertheless, but was nevertheless guilty of violating the laws of Rome and his conscience by agreeing to the crucifixion of the one he had three times declared innocent. Then you have a pure heart. 
To have a pure heart refers to inward holiness. This is what Jesus spoke of in the Sermon on the Mount when he said in Matthew 5 and 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This phrase, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, refers to one who has a right relationship with God and worships the true God, not idols. The phrase, nor sworn deceitfully, this describes an honest person, one who has not lied or sworn falsely. You see, ladies, the words we speak are a good indication of the state of our heart. And anyone who makes deceptive promises finds no welcome from God. This is all very similar to what we studied in Psalms 15, which asks the question, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? The answer was, he that walketh upright and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned. But he honoreth them that fear the Lord, he that swear to his own hurt and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things, shall never be moved. These are the inner character traits of those who please God and whom God approves. And what will such a person find when he or she comes to God? The answer to this question is found in verse five, which says, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is an Old Testament expression of what we speak of as the doctrine of justification by faith. It tells us that whoever comes to God sincerely and trusting in him will find salvation in him. David Dixon wrote this, the holy life of the true believer is not the cause of his justification before God but that he shall receive justification and eternal life as a free gift from God by virtue of the covenant of grace. Therefore, he shall receive righteousness from the God of his salvation. In order to better understand verses 4 and 5 of our text, you might want to consider them in an inverse order because Although this is true, that we must approach God sincerely and trustworthy, trustingly to find salvation, these characteristics are provided for us by God as a result of justification. And they are part of the blessing that verse 5 promises. So I would consider the order as this. First, justification from God, our Savior, according to verse 5 of our text. Second, blessing from the Lord, according to verse 6a. And then 
of our text. And then three, clean hands and a pure heart resulting in a life which does not lift itself up to idols or swear falsely, according to verse four of our text. In this way, we are saying that justification precedes sanctification and only those who are born again can seek, find, and know God. Verse six says, this is the generation or regeneration of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. This was how David identified God's covenant people. The blessed and righteous ones have entered into covenant with God. The generation of those who seek him are the blessed and righteous ones who do more than enter into covenant with God. They also pursue him with a continual seeking. The idea is intensified by repetition, by the description to seek your face, which is even closer than seeking him, and by the use of a contemplative pause, Selah. In verses 1 and 2, the earth is prepared for his coming. In verses 3 through 6, the people, the inhabitants of the earth, are also prepared for him. In the third section of our text, verses 7 through 10, Jesus enters Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, answering the full character that has been laid down and by his own right ascended the holy hill of Zion, known as Jerusalem. And because he ascended the approach to Jerusalem, entered it and died there, we can enter heaven. Verses 7 through 10 says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah. One can easily be moved by something as beautiful as this liturgy. But it is important to note that the priest and the people of Jesus's day, even though they sang this song, did not do what they were singing. I mean, they did allow Jesus to enter the city and the temple area where he threw out the money changers. Remember that? However, they did not let Jesus into their hearts and lives. And that is the way Jesus actually comes in. Jesus wants to come into our life to save us and to change us. And the way we respond is to let him come in. So, ladies, if you doubt whether or not you will enter into heaven because you have neither clean hands nor a pure heart, you should look to Jesus who has already climbed the holy hill and entered Jerusalem as the forerunner of every believer.
follow in his footsteps and rest on his merit. Jesus entered heaven triumphantly. And if we trust him, we can enter heaven when the time comes triumphantly because the spirit of God will give us the character that Psalms 24 describes. And God will create in us a new heart and a right spirit found in faith and Jesus Christ, the King of glory. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. If this ministry has been a blessing to you and you want to support it, we have several ways in which you can do that. First, via the Tidely app at Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. Second, at Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y dot com. You may donate to Broken Vessels hyphen Mended and Whole. Third, via PayPal at Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole at gmail.com. And fourth, you may mail whatever gifts of love you feel led to give to Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. We are a 501c3 nonprofit religious organization, P.O. Box 34637, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Please join me next week for another episode of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. And don't forget to check in with me on Facebook Live at Evangelist Janice, that's J-A-N-I-S, Nelson, today at 1 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Usually we're at 12 noon Pacific Daylight Time. But today I will be on at 1 o'clock p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. In the meantime, take good care and may God continue to bless you.